Hello, you've reached episode 85 of season three of Mouse and Weens. We have a special guest today. We are interviewing Allison Arngrim, who played mean Nellie Olson on the TV show Little House on the Prairie. It ran for years. We all grew up on it, one of our favorites, and we hear all the stories from her. She's got so many old Hollywood stories and behind the scenes of filming. We split this into part one and part two because she has a show coming up Thursday, August 6th that we wanted to get this out in time for. So this will be the part one. If you scroll down to the information about this show, you will find a link to tickets. It will take you to stageit.com and there you can buy a ticket to see her online performance. This really helps artists out and we would appreciate it. I'm going to be there. Uh, It's a mere $10 to uh, help her out or whatever tip you can afford, I believe is how it works. And uh, she'll be doing it from her living room and telling behind the scenes stories, even more behind the scenes than what we're hearing here. So until then, we hope you enjoy this show. If you aren't a fan of commercials, also please go to patreon.com to get all of these episodes commercial free, plus bonus features, shout outs, and outtakes, all sorts of fun stuff. Speaking of which, we would like to shout out our newest patrons, Alexander and Jody. Thank you so much for your support. You are awesome. And we love you from the bottom of our hearts. What part of the family do you guys want to be? Cousins? Uh, We could take another sister, another brother. Just let us know. All right. We'll talk to you soon and enjoy the show. There it is. You got it. Yeah, my thing. My thing was trying to talk to me through my other thing. What? Yes. Well, let's launch into it. We have so many questions. We're just so honored that you're here. Thank you very, very much. And yes, absolutely. Um, and Joe, inter- you take it. Yeah, no, I was just going to say we should do introductions too. So I'm Joelle. My nickname is Mouse. I'm the big sister. I'm down in San Diego. Hello. Nice to meet you. Hi, I'm Julianne, who is the other half of the podcast, Weens. And I'm in LA. So I'm close to you. I'm does, close. How do you know Steve? Steve is a wonderful person. I've known him from the neighborhood and he lives right down the street. I've been to his place a couple of times, a few groceries and he's talked about you and we just got a conversation about you one time. He's a lovely human being. I just adore him. We go to the same Saturday group um, that talks about Sermon on the Mount, if he's ever mentioned that. Oh, yes, 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 he has. Well, yeah, he's, well, he's on the internet constantly between the chorus and all the things that he does. It's like huge. And um, yeah, so I've been doing his laundry and uh, you probably heard. So, because yeah, he did, you know what? How is there no washer and dryer in that fancy place? So, like, I don't, I, why? But there's no washer and dryer in the building and he was going to the laundromat, but you can't really do that now. So, um, yeah. Aww, yeah, that's, you're so such a beautiful, you know, bless you and yes. bless him. You're a beautiful person for doing that though. Well, I've too. known him since 1986. Wow. wow. Amazing. And that I, was when you were sick, better, much better, sick, way sick, way better, sick, then better. 
Oh my God. I mean, he's almost died three times in the time I've known him, and I came in late to the party. He like already like died a few times. <laughs> he talks about that. He really, really is an in the moment kind of guy now, which is cool. Oh yeah, it's amazing, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Good for yeah. you. Yeah, okay. we're gonna do a podcast with him as well. He's so fascinating. Oh my God, fascinating! Yeah. Like the best interview ever. Yes. Aww. That's Joe, so take good. it because I know you wanted to. Joelle is such a fan of yours. And Thanks for being so here. So am I, but you know. <laughs> yes. So if you guys don't already know, I'm sure we're going to do a little preamble, but we have with us today Allison Arngrim. She played Nellie Olson, America's original bad girl, original mean girl. And she's here with us today. Look, yay. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yay. Yes. And we are on YouTube too. So if you're hearing this as a podcast, be sure to click over to YouTube and you can watch us and our yay. three lovely faces as we swirl around here. But Allison, we, oh, we did such a deep dive on everything that you've been up to, but we <laughs> want to hear it from you. It's, it's, there's so much, holy yes. moly, you are busy and you've been busy since the very beginning. Tell us about like kind of your, your back. Well, let me give you a little intro here. First of all, we found out that you are a New York times bestselling author. You have a book out called confessions of a prairie bitch, how I survived Nellie Olson and learned to love being hated. Did I get it right? Was that Yes, it? you did. You did. <laughs> And we can get it on all the places we get our books. But where is your favorite vendor to find that book? Where do you like sending Ooh, Wow, people? wow. Because, I mean, of course, now everybody's you know, people getting things on Amazon or the, the Barnes & Noble site. And then there's the audio book. And, of course, Kindle, Kindle, Kindle. It's a ha -ha. Um, but there is a bookstore now. I'm not going to remember the name. It's a huge bookstore in Portland. Okay. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Everybody knows that bookstore. And That's it's that one. And I, I, I did a book signing there. And blah, blah, blah. Apparently, I'm very popular in Portland. <laughs> so your book was great. I listened to it. I did a, an audible version of it, which is great. Um, I think it's also on, you can go to um, walnutgrove.org and ask yes. for a signed copy. So no, tell us about Walnut Grove. What is Walnut Grove? Walnut Grove and um, uh, also Mansfield, Missouri and Desmet, South Dakota. And then all of these historical sites where Laura really lived have museums and they have events and they would well every year they would have these gigantic festivals where they would have a pageant and of course this year they're like ah but they're all doing it online in fact next week there's a whole walnut grove online version of the pageant where they're interviewing celebrities and historians and my turn is actually the 24th i will be on the online walnut grove evening thing nice. um, so we're, yeah, we're just keeping all going but they all sell my book um but if you also go to um you know square you know the lovely thing you put on your phone so you do credit cards and autograph just I have an online square store. It says uh, Loose Gravel Productions or Not Your Mother's Mercantile. And you can tell it's me. It's the picture of Nellie also. Um, but square store. And I've got the book. I have um, bonnets. I have, I have oh, tin cups. Look how cute. We, we have bonnets. We have tin cups. We have the book. Is. We have everything. Photos, just like stuff. Stuff for days. This one's from Minnesota. Lovely, lovely things. And if you order it there, absolutely, I will autograph it and um, ship it out to you. I have a stack, actually, uh, right over there of, like, I was well, like a third of it. Oh, my gosh. Yes. A stack of bonnets and cups and books to be autographed and mailed later today. That's so great. I love that you do that. And I love that you embrace this all. But let's go back to your history. So yes. in listening to your book, which I totally recommend if you couldn't gather. It's so um, good. You start in the in the olden days 
of Hollywood, of you and your childhood in Hollywood. But tell us a little bit about what was it like growing up in Hollywood and what the 60s, what? 70s? In Liberace. In, in Liberace. Liberace. Right. In Chateau Marmont. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's okay. When, you know, I think of, you know, to me, having grown 60s and 70s were like modern times, but now I, I feel like I'm, you know, Mary Pickford talking about, you know, in 1910. Um, so it's like a long time ago. But yeah, my family came up from New York in, in into absolutely the heart of swinging 60s, California. We lived at the Chateau Marmont. That's what you do when you from New York and your actors you go to the Chateau Marmont. And we're at the Chateau Marmont at the height of like total insanity when they had the demonstrations on the Sunset Strip because they were rioting over Pandora's box being closed and everything. And there was a, they flipped over a bus. That was, that was downstairs. Oh and I had a story how I was like, five and I, I i was like heard my parents talk i said what's a riot and they were trying to explain rioting and i thought it was like a sporting event i had no idea what the heck they were talking about and i wasn't allowed on the balcony that day because my parents and the neighbors were all on the balcony drinking wine and laughing and like watching the police and the thing and the people in the streets and they were like going yay the peasants are revolting and screaming let them eat cake <laughs> it's nice to be the, nice to be the queen yeah. so they were like oh this is really weird we're in a french castle and people are revolting and having an uprising in the street in front of us this is kind of nuts um so it was like that crazy and um we knew everybody um and then my father became a manager and started working for, we worked for a company, Seymour Heller and Associates, and they had Debbie Reynolds and they had Liberace, they, they had everybody. And this was at the height of that stuff, the late 60s, early 70s, it was like height of Liberace madness when he was doing Vegas. And, but you know, we had the rhinestone red, white, and blue shorts and the, the baton and he like, he had the jacket that lit up and he like flew over the stage. And stuff. Insane. Yeah. I, I mean, but as a kid, you just loved him so much. So all different age ranges got him. Yeah. Yes, everyone loved him. And that's yeah. it worked. It was the nuttiest act and it worked. And that's what you know, Liberace is the man who gave gave us the famous phrase, I cry I cried all the way to the bank. And he <laughs> said that because some of you were saying this show is ridiculous. I mean, yes, he can play the piano, but he's just like it's, it's absurd and he, he's pandering to the lowest common denominator with the choices of songs and what is he wearing? And really, seriously, this guy's whole personality. They went, This is this is trash, it's terrible. But every show was sold out. He's at one point, he was the highest paid entertainer in the world. He's, he's the gay Elvis. And he was, <laughs> and he said, I read the review and I cried all the way to the bank. Because, ah, <laughs> um, yeah. Smart man. And he was very nice to work with my dad because he worked for Seymour. It, did you see that behind the yes. candelabra cooking? So okay. good. Dan Aykroyd played Seymour Heller. That was my dad's That's boss. Oh my God. When Dan Aykroyd and the glasses and the suit like dead on, when Dan Aykroyd, there was a little subtle thing. And the thing was, Debbie Reynolds was, that's what she did. So they had Debbie Reynolds in it playing Liberace's mother. But Debbie Reynolds was a client of Seymour. She knew Liberace and his mother. Oh, that's funny. It's crazy. It, was, it would be like playing your friend from school's mom who you saw every day. So, like, right. she knew. So, so, she's there, so she obviously told him because Dan Aykroyd walks in and sits down. When he sat down, he went, I screamed. I was like, because it was Seymour. That's what <laughs> I was like, oh no, he made the harab. He did the harab. <laughs> um, that's what my dad saw work was at with Seymour every day. So he said, go rent a house in the Hollywood Hills so you can be next to Liberace if he needs anything. And you'll cover the LA shows and I'll cover the Vegas. So I'm eight years old and <laughs> let's go. We're gonna see Liberace. Get dressed. Um, oh my God. 
And I like ate and it was so fun. And that was the thing. And seriously, I said the book, he really did. They're like, shit, really, don't say anything. So, you know, no one must know that Liberace is gay. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> I, 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 can you believe it? <laughs> They did, they did not. And that's why I said, I'm eight. I know he's gay. Um, but you know, the fans, they loved him. They loved these women. They were in love with him. But they knew, they knew on some kooky level because they were, they were like, oh, he's so cute. He's that way, you know. They yeah. knew. It's like yeah. if you said, is Liberace going to come off that stage and marry you? They would have gone, <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. They did know. <laughs> but if you said, is, is he a homosexual? They would have said, oh, how dare you say such a thing? And yeah. like, Bended him to the death. So it was this very bizarre world, and they loved him, and that was it. And so, and everybody, they just ate it. They could not get enough Liberace. And yeah. having seen him live, and having met him, and seen him, yeah, it was brilliant. It was genius. It was just genius. He He's was, a showman. There's some people that are just naturally born show people. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you're one of them because you started at what, seriously, at what age? You were five? Yeah, my Screen Actors Guild card says member since 1967. Oh, my God. <laughs> my I union mean, card by five, yeah. It, did your parents totally support it? I mean, they were both in the business. Were they happy or did they go, oh, we've seen too much? And They were like, because they were like, really? Okay, well, here we go. Okay. Um, and they did. And then, of course, it was like, yes, everybody gets a job. Yay. And I, as I said, I thought everybody was on TV when I was a little girl. I didn't know. Everybody I knew was on TV. Is yeah. everyone on television? So. You're hanging oh out with goodness. Liberace, yes, at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chateau Marmont. Awesome. So you were comfortable on screen. Yeah, yeah. I was always already a, a working fool. And that's actually the funny thing is because people talk about having a comeback. But actually, Little House was the comeback. I had you would have that career. much before. Oh, my gosh. Whole career. And then I did a movie when I was 10. That was the thing in the book with Richard Egan and Dina Merrill. And I got a pet possum in my hotel room. And this whole bizarre thing that happened. And then I come back and I'm auditioning for stuff. And my folks are like, well, just did a movie. Should, you know, get some good. But I wasn't, I wasn't getting anything. And I was like, all of 11. It's getting old. And yeah. You're over it. And my father said, you know, you're not really, you're not really booking. You, you had the picture, you're not really booking. And mm -hmm. it, it, it might be over. Now you might be one of those people who doesn't work again till they're, they're 18, till they're an adult, or you might never work again, mm -hmm. or you could get something or that, but you know, we have to praise yourself that that may have been the whole run. And you were just one of those child actors and you don't work as a teenager or and you work later, or that might be it. And so I was washed up at 11. And then I got Little House of the Prairie at 12. <laughs> like, yes, that, actually, that was the comeback role. I already had a career and it was over. And then I got Little House. So I'm on my 57th comeback. So I'm this is I know. This is you're like our friend Steve. <laughs> right. I come back. We just keep coming back. I'm like, I'm back. It's like I know. <laughs> Better than ever. So what was that like the interview? Uh, there's such a cool story behind that when you went and auditioned for Little House. Well, I, you know, I'd, I've been going to like millions of auditions when you're a kid actor. And this is something I always explain to people who are like really young, want to go in the business. The parents want to put their kids in. You know, it's like you might audition a hundred times and then get something. Literally that many times. You could go to millions of auditions and then you might wind up actually getting something, become a huge star. But people go to a lot of auditions. Um, so I went to an audition and it was like a, a go see. I got all dressed up. And it was uh, dead friendly. They were talking about making the show from the books. He said, we're making a show from these books. I hadn't read the Little House books. 
So I thought, well, I, sure, I did not get that. And, but then I came back and I read again for this letter. And I was like, it's like, this is like part of Laura because they saw everybody for Laura. And then I came back and read again, which was like Mary. And I'm re coming back and reading like again. And I go like, this is this show. Are they making this thing? And then it stopped. I didn't get anything. And then they made the pilot. And I saw there was the pilot with Michael Land and the girls. So I was like, great. Then I get a call to Comrie for Little House on the Prairie. And I'm like, we did this. They, <laughs> the pilot's already here. What are you? Oh, no, no. The thing's been sold. Now there's a whole cast of characters apparently in a town. Who knew? I haven't read the books. Clueless. We go there. And it's my father and I. And he, I get the sides, the pages. <clears throat> and I start reading them. And that's when I turn to my father and I said, this is not a normal part. This, this girl, this girl's a total bitch. <laughs> and and I said, no, this is terrible. And I start reading it. And it's all the like, I don't think the country girls have a penny. What do you think, Willie? And of course, it's also the famous my home is the best home at all of Walnut Grove. We realize on all the windows. I'm like, who talks like this? Oh, my God. This woman, who is she? Ooh, you just teased me out. <laughs> I just, and she's like 12. And, and that's the thing, too, because like you don't normally. And I talked about in the book, most child actor parts. Yes, mother. Yes, mother. And yeah, here's yeah. this girl going, <laughs> whatever. And she like hates everyone. <laughs> what is happening? So I said, this is not normal. And I read it for my father. He starts laughing. And he says, you read it like that. And I said, what? And he goes, no, don't, don't read it again. Don't rehearse it. He said, put the pages down. Don't even look at them. Wow. Put, put the pages down. Do not even look at them again. You go in and you read it exactly like that. Just cult. Just read it like that. Don't change it. Don't do it. Don't even breathe. I was like, awesome. Go in. There's Michael Landon and Kent McRae and then in front of the producer. And they're all jammed on this couch. And I'm sitting in front of them. And I'm like, I'm really tiny for my something this big. And I'm and I'm in like jeans and a t-shirt. But I sit there and and I read this thing and they start howling with they're like dying. And I'm reading the My Home is the best home in all of Walnut Grove. And the thing that got them was we have three sets of dishes. One for every day, one for Sunday, and one for when someone very important comes to visit, which we have never even used yet. <laughs> so you get the joke that this idiot is bragging about her damn dishes, but nobody's coming to visit. You live yeah. in Walnut Grove, Minnesota. You don't know anyone important. The queen is not coming. Yeah. So I thought, oh, that's hysterical that she says this. So I, I played it. That I knew what was happening in the scene. Maybe 12-year-olds didn't all know that. So they're screaming bloody murder. And they said, could you do it again, please? And I said, yes, what would you like me to change? And they literally, tears rolling down his face. Michael goes, nothing to see the thing about the house again. <laughs> they loved it. The comedy. Well, I could, you could just see you coming out too. So they loved it. That's and, awesome. And I did again. They screamed again. And literally we drove home and it was like, I don't know, half an hour from Paramount at that point. And my agent was already on the phone saying you have the job and the wardrobe fitting is which is done. They just, I, I had to, the speed with which they had to have called my agent, made a deal. And then my agent called us. Like, I mean, I had to like, as the door is closing, they were like dialing my agent. Yeah. Did you know that you nailed it too? Did you have that feeling? Yeah. Or you had no I mean, idea. I wasn't accustomed to seeing three grown men who were total strangers laugh so hard that tears ran down their face. Upon yeah. yeah. me, I was like, okay, I think I've hit some kind of a nerve, apparently. Yeah. I don't know what that was, but yikes. Yeah. We're sponsored by the Homeschool Buyers Co op. Keeping my kids busy and on track with school has been overwhelming. There are a million choices online. That's why I'm so excited to find the Homeschool Buyers Co-op. They've done the work for me, researching and listing the best curriculum organized by grade level. 
And because of their large buying power, I get up to 90% off retail prices. They even have classifieds for used materials. So visit homeschoolbuyerscoop.org and use referral code WEANS to sign up for free and get 5,000 smart points towards your purchase. That's homeschoolbuyersco-op.org, referral code WEANS. Have fun. That's so fun. So did you love playing the villain? I mean, once you got on the set and you're shooting Little House, were you enjoying being that role? And where did you pull from? Did you have any idols or how did you? Well, I, you know, I loved villains. I had watched horror movies growing up and absolutely, um, you know, the bad seed back then you, you, you couldn't TiVo stuff or say, oh, it's on Netflix. You had to get the TV guide and go, it's going to be on 2 a.m. on Saturday, slumber party. And uh, my friend, Chrissy Norton, who was also blonde and blue eyed and cute and looked like me. And then she would come over because Patsy's on this weekend. She would come over. We'd have a slumber party, make popcorn, but we would dress up in party dresses and tap mm-hmm. shoes and braid our hair. It was like, Rocky Horror Picture Show for nine-year-old girls. And, and we would sit there get really into watching the bad seed and go, what would you give me for a puzzle of kisses? That's gonna kiss us, muscle hags in the Excelsior. Go sleep on your old Excelsior. And um yeah, so so creepy. We much too into this movie. And so I absolutely I had the the bad seed, it was like memorized. So I did have things like that I always liked. I liked villains, I loved, you know, Halloween. So it's like, oh, I'm scary, I'm the villain, yay. And people do dress up with me for Halloween, which is like the greatest thing uh for me that in my life that I know that people dress up as me for Halloween. That is so still, cool. I mean this this is 40 years later. More yeah. 45, 45, 45. Okay. It is 46. That's insane. We had the 45th anniversary last year and did a bunch of parties and events. It is bloody 46. And still reruns. I'm a hundred years old. Um, <laughs> I can't even believe it. I'm 9 million years old. Uh, it's 46 You're years. pretty good looking. Yeah. I think it was like a guy. I had myself yes. eliminated in the 80s. Um, <laughs> I, I'm on Facebook every day reading the books because in March when my entire life and career was canceled, it's like, no, you're not doing that. I know I have. How many? Look at all these gigs I have. Poof, 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 poof. Oh, yeah. crap. Because um, it's like, oh, they all involve direct contact with large groups people yes. oh no we can't do that um so i said well, what i'm gonna do and uh like yeah my husband has like a real job and it got declared essential so he's like well we're not starving i yeah i'm going to work so yeah we're okay i said yeah but i've been working since i was 12 you know come on um so i started just for something to do i'm gonna go read the little house in the prairie books but in order i never read them like in order watching how laura developed i'm gonna go read the little house books in order for kids and then i thought well everyone else is bored silly why don't i read them on facebook live yes oh my god so every day we get but 1 30 unless i have to do something then i say guys i'm gonna be like and i put on a bonnet i have oh, many she's, colors I she's think putting on her cute white bonnet right now for those of you and, who can't see and i so have um, i've been doing now this um the book we're doing right now is on my kindle i did have the whole set but we're now uh, currently we've been doing the first four years, which is the last book that we did. We got through Happy Golden Years, and we've let um, let's see Charlotte Stewart played Miss Beetle. She read one day. Baby Grace read one day, and of course El Manzo, Dean um, <gasps> Butler. He read all of like Farmer Boy. We let him have Farmer Boy, and then he went, I want to read The Long Winter because The Long Winter El Manzo saves everyone by going to get the weed. So I oh said, God. So he read a whole chunk of that, and then of course we got into Happy Golden Years where Lauren Almanzo get married and I went like yeah you're doing the ending you're doing like this chapter this chapter he's like I'm in so he came on and have you seen Dean Butler he's very good looking still he's and handsome. He's, 
very handsome and he has this very soft voice and he got right up on that mic and when it's like Lauren Almanzo in the buggy and he's practically whispering out there, I was wondering if you an engagement ring well people were just going ah like all over America uh, watching their Facebook. So yeah, people went wild. So I was like, okay, you're on tomorrow. Um, so he read some, and now I'm reading the first four years, which a lot of people don't like the first four years. It was a found manuscript that she wasn't going to publish. It has weird flashbacks to other chapters. It's odd, but I've been reading it going, hey, this is way more interesting than I thought it would be. So um, we're making it work. A lot of people said, oh, I heard this book was boring, but now it isn't because like it's Allison in a bonnet reading it. So. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's the best too. And then Dean Love Butler it. does like music too. Didn't he have some of his yes. music playing? Which is great. He, he produced a whole thing, a whole special uh, pause fiddle where he got all these country performers. And so he's got, he's very smart. He's like, going, oh, and I have, I have these DVDs that you can. Um, so yeah, so he's playing his music. So very, very smart. Um, yes. So yeah, I've been selling, you know, bonnets and photos and books online at the store. I've been doing the thing, the cameo thing, the coach the world thing, uh, stage it, stage it.com, which has people do their shows. Um, I go over to that part of the living room where I have a fake brick wall. Uh, it's actually made of fabric, but you can't, it looks like a brick wall. Um, and I do my show, I stand up, show, but I have to do a half hour version format, but it's great. So I'm doing that August 6th. So I'm working like that. I'm like in front of the camera going, hi, what am I doing now? Just like all day. It's amazing. I know we were lucky to book you because I looked at your Facebook page. I'm like, oh, there's no way she's going to be able to do this. And then going on, you have bonnetheads.com as your website. There are about 3 million links of all your projects that you've done yeah. past, present, future. I mean, it's amazing. I know um, we do a newsletter. We have the Nelly, we'll put you on it. The Nelly newsletter, the Nelly newsletter yes. comes out once a month. My friends call me and go, I just read your newsletter with your schedule and I had to go lie down. <laughs> yes, it's, it's wild. I know you have turned this quarantine into like your best hustle ever. So Liberace so would be proud. Crazy. I was so busy, very busy before. I had I just got back from France. I had just done an autograph show, like the last autograph show on earth in Arkansas. And I had all this stuff lined up for March, April, May, that summer, the, you know, the little house sites. I had a tour in France for September, October, plus uh, a gig in uh, Dublin, Ireland. I mean, I was book for the year and it was like yeah no and I <laughs> was quite disconcerting uh and I wasn't and so I started to read and now I am I am doing stuff every day I'm just a working fool and I have these the, the cooking videos haven't even started yet because the cooking thing. I was going to oh ask God. you about that so how how pioneer are you going now that you're stuck at home are you getting into the books is it causing you to want to cook more are you are you embracing this whole thing well, I was already a, a cook and fool. I'm a very good cook. And that's where at one point we were sitting around, Bob and I were eating dinner. And, you know, we can get to we can get takeout here and there. We want to support some of our local restaurants. But we were hearing about all the people who can't go out and, like, have they have food. But, like, I don't know what to, they can't cook. They're, like, stuck. And I said, aren't you glad you're stuck in the house with someone who can cook? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, this is great. I like, all this stuff. Um, the tomatoes. I just picked some. I am growing tomatoes. I'm not doing Melissa Gilbert has chickens. Um, seriously, Melissa Gilbert and her husband, Timothy Busfield ran up to their little cabin in Catskills. Very cute. And then they kind of said, maybe we should just stay here a while. Cause they were in Manhattan. They're like, let's not go back. So she started planting a little garden. No, she has crops. She has crops. And then she got chickens. She has baby chickens. So she has a hen house. She's like, and I started teasing her. Saying, Are you getting a cow? Seriously? Um, and she said, no, no, no. I said, well, get a goat. The reason yeah, no, 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 just growing some of the chickens. I said, you're not going back. She goes, well, I don't really know when I'm going back. And then what happened? 
you saw the stuff with the footage of the people on Fire Island with no social distancing and masks. Oh my God. Back ferry. I texted her. I said, I just saw what's happening in Fire Island. Buy the cow. Don't go yeah. home. Don't go <laughs> home. Stay, Stay there. Stay there. Yes. <laughs> and so we didn't have, she's doing interviews from the farm. She's doing like video and podcasting out from the farm with a chicken. That's smart. Smart. So first, I'm not, I told Bob, I said, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not really the farm type. I'm not going to do chickens and crops. We'll have the tomatoes. I'm more, you know, kind of urban survivalist. Yeah. Uh, yes. if, if things go bad, I'm the girl like with the backpack who can smash open the vending machine. Smart. Uh, so <laughs> if it's zombie apocalypse, I'm like that person. So we'll eat. Yeah. I'm coming to you. Yeah. We need, we need one in every group. This is good. I know. I love all this. I, I was watching some stuff and yeah, she's got her chickens and farm and mm -hmm. you're doing the. So do you think people are getting back into this? I've heard there's like a resurgence of Little House in this time. Oh, Does it seem craziness. like? Yeah. Well, somebody figured out we had an episode called Quarantine and we had an episode called Plague. We, yes. we had anthrax, we had anthrax on the prairie. I think it was typhus and anthrax were our two big diseases. Um, but we had, and people were like, there's an episode because they're rerunning it and everyone's home. And they were already, I mean, it's literally never been off the air. It's just been syndication in 140 countries. It's craziness. But now all these people are going, there's an episode called Play. There's an episode called What is Happening? And they got really into it. And then some very young people on Twitter finally saw the Wisdom of Solomon episode for the very first time. That's okay. the episode. Todd Bridges, who's the children of freed slaves, who, as he says to Paul Ingalls, so would you rather live um, to be 100 as a black man or live to be 50 and be white? And Paul can't answer him and says, right. he's got a point. And it is a heavy, heavy episode about racism and the horrible circumstances that Todd Bridges' character is called The Wisdom of Solomon. And this was in the 1970s, this was on. And it's so surprising. So all these people who've never seen it before going, I am watching this. This is like this Black Lives Matter episode of Little House of the Prairie. What is, what is going on? And a whole new group of people have discovered us that our show is actually very forward and really talking about all sorts of serious things that people didn't realize. Right. Was that Absolutely. a big, was that Michael Landon who was really, that was important to him was... Yeah, and, and I mean, we were in the 70s, so remember this was the time of um, All in the Family and the Jeffersons and all of these new shows exploring all this. So Little House were like, well, you know, we're no slackers. And um, yeah, and it was like, because it's set in the 1800s and it's about, you know, Lauren or Pa, we can talk about issues on this show that if it was set in modern day, it would be, oh, controversial, or I'm not going to watch that. But, oh, yeah. wait, it's Little House in the Rain Age. And maybe they're not yes. talking about me because it's in the 1800s and they're talking about slaves. And like, well, like our drug addiction right. one where the man comes back from the Civil War. And he was injured and he's addicted to morphine and had and he has shell shock and it's like oh because wait it's the early 70s and people coming back from vietnam addicted to heroin oh hey maybe that what we're right so right. smart that is so smart yeah and anti-semitism were there any episodes about um uh any lgbtq things i don't yes, know Yes, because you're big been... you're huge in that community oh yes and yeah. well we certainly have a lot of uh, gay and lesbian people on the show, but people weren't as out in the 70s. You know, everyone was kind of, um, but obviously Steve Tracy, who played Percival, my husband on the show, was gay. And he wound up dying of AIDS in 1986. How I met Steve Peters, because I went to volunteer at the AIDS Project, and you see, there you all are. Um, but he was he went very public with his diagnosis, and it was right after the show. And everyone in the cast really stood by him. So that was a thing. Um, 
I don't, on the show, I always say, you know, when Lauren Almanzo have that boarding house in like the last two seasons and that Mr. Montague guy moves in, they uh, don't say anything, but he's got a whole like Dr. Bombay from Bewitch thing kind of going on. Mm. And um, I, th- I think- Was that Paul Lind, by the way? Yeah, right? Okay. I think, I think he, uh, <laughs> totally, I think Mr. Montague is kind of the- not said as such, but kind of like the gay character. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is good. So it's all oh, good to But obviously, I mean, we talk about these things like, you know, Michael Landon's son, Christopher Landon, is out and is a filmmaker. Chris Landon mm-hmm. is a director. He does horror yeah. films, right? He does, I mean, indeed. Yeah. And he and his husband are, have an Instagram account and stuff like that. And so he's talked about that, you know, he and Michael's dad didn't get to talk about it because he was very young. It was larger, but... Cindy, uh, Michael's widow, Miss Cindy Lett, had told him that, you know, she and Michael had talked as he was growing up and said, well, you know, I think, I think Chris might be gay. Well, what do we do? And Michael was like, well, are we not supposed to say anything so we don't upset him? We're supposed to not say anything, right? Unless he tells us. And like, how do we do this? And, but how do we let him know it's okay? And so, yeah, so Michael, Michael was, yeah, Michael was cool. He was so, savvy yeah. to it all. Yeah. He always knew. And so, yeah, and he knew, he knew who on the crew and who in the cast was gay. And yeah. Was, so, <laughs> it was, yeah. And so, no, we were, we were a hip, we were a hip place to work. Um, yeah. But yeah, now, I think if Little House was made now, absolutely, there would be some episode where, yeah. I don't know, two spinster sisters move into the house and people Right. Bond. Yeah. Something. Right. There, uh, you betcha, there'd be something. Because, by yeah. God, we, we, it was only because we only went nine years, or I'm sure we'd have worked it in. Right. I know. I know. It ended it in 1980. So yeah. So now when you go back and look at, do you watch your old episodes? Do you watch yourself? I do. Like, I, I like Little House in the Prairie. And I yeah. think Olsen and Mrs. Olsen are hysterical. Um, yes. I would probably, if I was never on the show, I would probably tune in occasionally and go, I got to go see this Nellie Olsen thing. Um, yeah. I would be into that. Um, but yes, yes, I do. I have, I have episodes I really like. Um, I don't like, oh, it's on at three, but like if I'm flipping channels and I go, oh yeah, there's this. And Bob will go, have we seen this one? Cause he hasn't seen. Okay. I swear he'd not seen any <laughs> of them when we married. We'd been married like a couple of months and there was some little house event where, and he, I was like, you've seen like two episodes, haven't you? So we had to watch some episodes to get caught. Now he's seen like, he's watched marathons and he has favorite episodes and stuff. You oh know what's God. great is that he loves you for who you are. And that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, and I talked about that in the book that for a long time, I really couldn't date anyone who'd like actually seen Little House in the Prairie because the burden of Nellie Olsen was a it's little on. It's a you big know one. weird? Can I ask you because I heard a story about you in public that people would actually throw you, throw things at you and push you. Like they couldn't divide you from the character. Yeah, the, the list. Let's see. There was the Easter fair at, um, it's now Harvard Westlake school, but I think it was the Westlake, the girls school. big fundraiser, Easter fair to everything. And Catherine McGregor and I went and made the horrible mistake of going in costume. My father said it's a bad idea, but that somebody, the school knew someone at NBC. So we all went in costume and oh no, no. Nellie and her mom. They, yeah, they would not get our autograph. People hated it. They were terrible. Catherine made a little girl cry. She was in Mrs. Olsen's costume. And these people brought their kid over. And she's like, hello. And the child starts screaming and crying. She's really upset. <laughs> oh like, and so she's frightening children. And no one will talk to us. So I went and got a hot dog and a Slurpee. And then these two little girls came running up from behind me and kicked me in the butt and knocked me onto the cement. 
Oh my gosh. Wow. wow. My father got me another hot dog and slurpee and said, we're going home. And oh I told you not to go in costume. Um, and then um, I was in the Hollywood Christmas, the Santa Claus Lane Christmas Parade in Hollywood. And it was the height of the show. I was like 16. And someone threw a McDonald's cup of orange soda at my face. Moving target. They got me too. That was very impressive. Whoa. Oh my God. Um, did you watch that awesome. movie? The, the weatherman? Was it Nick Cage? The weatherman? Oh yeah. He gets hit with a <laughs> yeah, Like that. Like that. Like totally yeah. like that. So people, oh, that's so yeah. fascinating that people can't separate that. Yeah. It's always, now did that bother you? No, I, I mean, both times I was like, I was sort of in shock, but I was like, I must be doing something right. And well, like I talk about the, the, the shake, the drink in the face. Cause I said, well, okay, good. It's not a beer bottle because yeah. I'd be dead. Um, but then <laughs> someone was watching the parade and had their drink on seeing me instantly is so angry that they just, that's some good ah. acting. So what does that say? <laughs> yeah. Right. What kind of performance is this yeah. that I have done? And I still have people who weirded out. And it's been it's been hard on my husband Bob, and and it's been hard on anyone who's been my friend or boyfriend or anything because they meet people and they go, oh wait, you know her? I mean, is, everyone I, had a Nellie Olson in their life. See, everyone knew it. Everyone knew it, and that was the thing. Is I, yeah, you bet. Oh, there was a girl in elementary school. A couple were like two girls in elementary school, and then oh, and this one girl. I mean, she wound up following us all through junior high into high school, and 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 she just drove everyone crazy. But and they, they would call them Nellie. And yeah, and I would I worked at it. I was like, well, you know, that was kind of like the time, and I did. And I remember this one girl was particularly annoying. And we're sitting around, and by then it was high school. She'd been annoying us since really like the fifth grade. And um, I said, if it's any consolation to anyone, I did base parts of Nellie on her. And they're like, thank you. We feel avenged in some way now. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I absolutely. There were Nellie. I was more the person who got beat up in school than the Nellie. I was likely to get my head stuck in a toilet or something. So wow. um, I totally, uh, I knew what that was like, and and based it on. So yeah. could you put on the character and then turn it off very easily when you went back home too? Oh yeah, well even on the set it was so weird because as you see I'm generally kind of good natured like blah, 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 blah. so it's sort of weird that I would turn into this person who's like, yeah, I don't think your father has any money and he smells like a horse. Just like what? Um, <laughs> Katie Kurtzman was Katie Kurtzman played little Anna the stuttering girl on Little House in the Prairie. And she later was on Hotel and like a whole bunch of these shows. She's a big star. Katie and I were talking about this because she played Anna the Stuttering Girl. And that's like the episode where like even I hate me because, oh my God, it's <laughs> horrible for that poor child. Sure. And we're doing the scene. She's like crying and going, I think, say Peter Piper, pick a peck of pickled peppers. She's going, Peter Piper, but I can't hear you. I sleep really sick. And when we're shooting this and she's sobbing and I'm so horrible. And then they would say cut. And I would go, great. So like after work, do you want to go get like Slurpees at the 7-Eleven? And go back to what we were talking about. And then it's like, oh, actually, okay. Anna can't talk. And I just, you know, do. And we were talking about this recently. And Katie said, you know, I was a very trained little child actress. And I would really get worked up into the thing of the stuttering and the crying. And she said, you, that was, I don't know what that was. What was that, demonic possession? They threw a switch and you like turned into this person. And then they'd like say cut and you go, so anyway, la, 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 la. Like, <laughs> she said it was freaky. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's, I that's a gift. And that it didn't trickle <laughs> into your life. I mean, that's good acting, I must say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm sure everybody asks you these questions. Do you want a few questions from our listeners? Because they did oh, write sure. in. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, of Could course. We do? Oh, good, yes. good. Okay. So we kind of covered this. Corey wanted to know, did you like playing the villain? It sounds like you did. Um, was it hard being mean all the time? You can turn it off and on. We got that. 
Um, oh, Harriet Olsen, was your mom, a, was she like mean, the actress, what, Catherine McGregor? Catherine McGregor was not mean. She was extraordinarily eccentric. She okay. was kind of bananas. Um, she's a very funny woman. Oh, that woman. So she was very independent. I mean, we used to say, yes, she, you know, people say she married. Well, no, she was married four times, no survivors. Um, she <laughs> was rather, she was very opinionated, like Mrs. Salt. She was kind, but she was very opinionated. <laughs> she was the kind of person, you know, my God, where are my glasses? Have you seen my glasses? You my glasses. They're on you. They're not on my head. Do not tell me my glasses. Are. Yeah, you know, that kind of um, she had a Fiat and she would drive at like 80, 90 miles an hour to work. Cause we had back then the freeway that went out to our location wasn't even finished. It was like six lanes to nowhere. So you could really go nuts and she would get pulled over, but she would argue the ticket with the police. Like oh she was, um, so she was kind of argumentative, but she was very funny. Um, but talk about shirt off the back. She was, I mean, she took us kids to the movies all the time, but we couldn't have any concessions. She brought health food candy, but you couldn't have the bad candy. Um, it's not good for you. Um, but she, uh, she took in stray people and animals. As we said, she took in a lot of stray animals where she had birds and things. And when she was living at her condo, it's fabulous condo. She was at late in life. She, um, cause I always wanted her to come down to AIDS Project Los Angeles summer party. I said, if you came out on stage, cause I had the comedy stage there, they would tear the place up. She said, well, just send my love, send my love. Meanwhile, at her building, so this guy down the hall, she figures out is not doing so well. And she realizes that he is sick and he has AIDS and he's not really getting a lot of visitors. And she goes and bangs on this guy's door and says, hi, look, I already know you're sick and clearly you have no one taking care of you. Um, I can cook, I can clean, I can this, and I will come and clean your apartment and cook all your meals and drive you to the doctor. Like, Who are you? And then she did. And she took care of him and to, drove him to everything. And they became great friends to the day he died. And then a couple months later, somebody else moved in and she took care of him. Did the same wow. thing. I volunteered for an organization, just did it. And she was always like, there was some, I'd go over and there'd be like somebody living at her condo. Oh, this is my friend. She's from India and she's, she's just here. And then like, who, what's the dog? Well, I found him. And then, you know, so yeah, she was absolutely stray people and animals and taking care of the sick. She was very involved in the um, Vedanta, the ashram in Hollywood. Um, her license plates at Om Shanti Om. Um, and she went to India on pilgrimages and was very involved with uh, the whole Swami, uh, Swami Chetananda, who did the translations of the original Swami Vivekananda works. Okay. Yeah, yeah. like that. that that's, that's how you pronounce that. Catherine McGregor. <laughs> and okay. I, I met Chetananda and I have autographed copies of some of Chetananda's books. She took me to meet him. Wow. wow that, there you go. When you were young, like this was this yeah, really was like good schooling. <laughs> 14, 15, and she was giving me like cradle tales of Hinduism and stuff to read. Yeah. We were <laughs> I, I was watching the Smurfs or something. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So That's Catherine amazing. Was an extraordinarily unusual and interesting person. Um, but no, she wasn't mean. Like this is, I remember she laughed so hard. One of her many, you know, bigoted episodes where she's being evil to people. And in it, it was when she was trying to keep Joe Kagan, the black guy, out of church. And um, Mrs. Olson's going on about God as a, we're made in God's image. And she said, yes, and God is a white man, so we can't possibly. I was like, oh. And she, she, she almost couldn't do it because she was laughing so hard. And she said, I'm sorry. I mean, A, Mrs. Olson's such a racist. She said, but it's also cracking me up because in my religion, God's a black woman. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And I was like, oh, awesome. arms, if I recall. Yeah, okay, hi. So, yeah, 
Oh my gosh. So interesting. Okay, I mean, this is kind of terrible, but it's funny. So when she she passed away just a couple years ago, she was in her 90s, in her 90s, and she'd finally moved into the uh, motion picture home. She was like, I'm a bunch of actors talking shop. I don't want to live in my own place. But then finally her doctor said, oh, for heaven's sake. So she moved into the actor's home, and it wound up being the same week that Richard Bull, who played Nels, he moved because Nels, Richard Bull, he and his wife had reservation. They said, oh, yeah, when we retire, we're totally moving to the motion picture home. And they had made arrangements and had that. So they move in and it all been planned. And then she last minute is like, oh, I guess I have to go. And like, boom, they're there the same week. You're oh kidding. Oh, my gosh. So imagine you're in your 80s or 90s and perhaps on medication and you go into the cafeteria and there's Nels and Harriet in line bickering about and you're like, it makes no sense. <laughs> is it, so the, is did, it the meds? <laughs> she passed away a couple of years ago, and I felt like so many fans, of course, people loved her, and so people were posting, oh, yes, she's, she's in heaven now. And I was like, I didn't have the heart to tell them. I said, well, actually, she's probably already back. Yes. Wow. Right. Yeah. Very firm believer in reincarnation. That's and right. This is true. So I said, heaven, she's, she's been back for weeks. I thought, <laughs> yeah, she's nowhere. She's right here. She's That's like sweet. here. I don't know. Aww. And her I cancer went to hell as we yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> so that was for Dana. So there you go, Dana. Um, this one is from my son, Elliot. He wanted to know what your real friends thought of you. Or did they treat you differently after you became Nelly? Was it hard to make and keep friends? We kind of talked about uh, that, but I am so relieved that I kept my friends from school because I was going to school, as I said, yeah, I'm talking about like the Nellies who follow me. I had a group of friends from about the third grade, went third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and then half went to one junior high after, but most of us, my little group, went to the same junior high, and then most of that group went on to Hollywood High. So I had people in junior high when I got the show who stayed my friends from junior high, stayed my friends from high school, who I'd known since the third grade. Okay. So they really did not care that I was on a TV series. I was Nelly. I was like, they so did not care. I was me. And it was also LA. Everybody, you know, somebody's uncle was a newscaster. Somebody's dad was a producer. The girl, her mom was in the fifth dimension. I think so everything, yeah, everybody knew somebody in the business. So it was like, yeah, 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 whatever. They did yeah. yeah. impressed. So thank God, because the biggest thing for a lot of child actors is isolation. They leave school and they don't go back. They stay just going to school and they don't go back to their regular school and their friends and they hang out and they go, well, I'm too famous. I can't see them anymore. And they go crazy or they get on a show where they're the only kid on the show. Ugh. Terrible idea. Do yeah. not do that. Do not do that. For so keep their friends. Kid, we were a little house. We had like 30, 40 kids in the school room. So we had a whole clique of kids there and cast of thousands of children. And then when on hiatus, I'd go back and I'd see my friends who like could not be less impressed that I was Nellie Olson. So this meant I had some normal life, yeah. Okay, that concludes part one of our interview with Allison Arngrim, Nellie Olson from Little House on the Prairie. Please go to our show notes below for tickets to her stand-up show. It's gonna be Thursday, August 6th, five o'clock p.m. Pacific time. And this helps the artist community immensely. We will put all of the links that we talked about in our show notes in the description below, as well as on our website, mouseandweens.com backslash show notes. Please follow us on all our social media, also at mouseandweens.com, spell it all out, mouseandweens, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, lots of other good things, and find us on Patreon too, and skip those commercials. All right, 
tune back in part two coming soon. Thanks. Bye.